Hello and welcome to this podcast from the Podnuts World Service. Please let us know what you think and tell other people about us on social media. Podcasts from the Podnuts World Service are supported by Podnutsians and advertising. Hey, hey, Podnutians, welcome to DDG number 25. I am door-to-door geek. I am feeling quite sick right now, but I also wanted to do an episode on Google Stadia, what it is, why it is, how it is, and every other question that no one seems to be answering at this point in time. What I will say right now is nobody seems to know anything about it, but everyone seems to have beliefs and predictions about it. Uh, One thing I can say with absolute assurance is that when people try to predict the future, they are incredibly inaccurate, and there's little doubt I'm going to be as inaccurate as everybody else. Let's first state a couple facts about Google Stadia. Number one, it's by Google. Number two, it's running on Linux. Number three, it's going to be able to do 10 plus teraflops which is more powerful than the latest Microsoft and the latest Sony console combined. We also know that they're going to have dedicated hardware in the realm of a controller, which is going to be directly Wi-Fi enabled right to your access point straight up to the cloud. We also know this wireless controller is going to have two specific buttons One is going to be explicitly connected to the Google Assistant, and the other one is going to be uh, exclusively connected to saving state type of functionality. Okay, now, because that's basically all the facts that we know with absolute certainty. That's all we know. Everything else is speculation. Um, I can also tell you that since the announcement of Google Stadia, there has been about 450 different episodes of podcast that have Google Stadia in their title. I'm not going to say I listen to all of them because a fair amount of them are not in English, but the ones that are in English, a fair amount of them completely suck and are not worth listening to. Um, so... Let's first and foremost try to come to some definitions. Uh, The first definition is, I will say, is Google Stadia is not a cloud console gaming system. I think that's an extreme fallacy that people assume that they know. Uh, The first hint is in the very first thing stated at the Game Developers Conference by Google was that they don't know games. This is not a gaming platform. This is a platform that has games on it. The two are not mutually inclusive. This is not a gaming platform. This is a platform that has games on it. Okay, There's a big difference between the two. Uh, what I believe, what I believe that Google Stadia is uh, approaching, what it's trying to be, what it desires to be, is something that we do not have a definition for as of yet in the beginning of 2019. 
Uh, it is going to launch before the end of 2019, but I still don't think we're going to have a, an accurate term for it till probably late 2020 for what Google Stadia is trying to be. Uh, it is first and foremost a YouTube-enabled platform. Um, let's start with that. Uh, it is runnable in a Chrome browser or a mobile device. There's a big or statement there. Not an and statement, but an or statement there. It's able to be ran on a Windows, Mac, or Linux desktop or laptop running the Chrome browser. Once you get to an Android device, it will not be runnable in a Chrome browser. And that is because Chrome on Android is not Chrome on your desktop or laptop. They are two completely different things. The Chrome browser on your desktop or laptop is much closer to being like Chrome OS on your Chromebook. Chrome on your Android device is a completely different being. And the examples I give is, A, when you have emergency patches for mobile browsers, you do not see those same patches being distributed on a laptop or desktop. Two, when you have emergency patches on your desktop for vulnerabilities or on your laptop for vulnerabilities in the Chrome browser, those same patches do not get released to your mobile devices, your Chrome, your uh, phones, or your tablets. That's point two. And point C is, if you take a look, 99.9% of the Chrome things that are released on Android could or should be released in the browser, but they're not. You have things like a YouTube app. You have things like a YouTube studio app. You have things like Google News. You have things like Google Books. You have things like Google Play TV. You have things like the Google Play Store. You have everything that is released by Google, essentially, whether it be Google Drive, whether it be Google Photos, whether it be Google Maps, whether it be Google Play Music, whether it be Google Search, whether it be Google Express, whether it be Google Files even, all of them can be released as browser apps, but they're not. They're released as standalone applications for a reason, not only because of tracking, not only because of a accountability, but because when you release as a full-fledged application and not just a browser bookmark, you gain a lot of extra functionality. Also, you get a lot more fine-grained control. Thus, you can have very tight controls, uh-huh, controls, very tight controls from the application layer to the hardware layer. That's why when it comes to Android, when it comes to tablets, when it comes to phones, Google Stadia will be a standalone application. It could be integrated into YouTube, but I firmly believe it's going to be a standalone application just like we had YouTube. We had YouTube Studio, which was a manager application for YouTube. We have YouTube Kids, and we have at least two or two or three more applications just forked off of the YouTube functionality. Um so I believe we're going to see a completely separate application called Google Stadia. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a thing. So for all of the podcasts out there that say Google Stadia on mobile devices or on tablets is going to be via the Chrome browser, 
they are exhibiting an extreme lack of comprehension on how mobile devices work. Okay, here's the last little tidbit, the last little giggity, the last little indicator that they are two completely different things. Go to google.com slash chrome and then click download. You will not see an ARM build of chrome. That's because they do not make an ARM build for chrome. I'm going to say that nice and slow. Google does not make a ARM build of Chrome. 99.999% of tablets and phones out there are running ARM processors, and Google does not make a ARM build of Chrome. So Google Stadia will not be using the Chrome browser, period. Okay, now that that's out of the way, uh, we're going to have to address ownership and uh, physical games and all that kind of thing really quick. And the only reason we're going to address it is so we can literally state the obvious. Uh, Movies and music and eBooks and books and all measures, every other type of media consumption have gotten past the idea that you have to own physical media in order to own the content. Okay. Music has been passed this for 20 years, and I don't understand why people have such a hard time comprehending this. I don't understand why people have such a hard time grasping this. We do not own nearly any of the content that we enjoy. That's just the fact of life. Yes, we still have plenty of people out there who still own Netflix subscriptions to where they get physical DVDs in the mail and they rip the DVDs and they store the DVDs digitally. Yes, we still have game consoles out there where you can go out of your way to buy physical media. Yes, I said you have to go out of your way to buy the physical media because it's typically easier to buy the digital media. There's no accident in that being the case we still have some bugaboo in our bodies where we think that we have to own the games we don't have to own nothing okay and for the people that worry about oh well the historians we don't want to lose the history of the games we don't want to no okay you're just making stories up now to try to make yourself sound like historical philanthropist okay That's not what it is at all, okay? We have been losing history of games since games have been invented. Don't act like this is not new. We've lost all kinds of games. We've lost all kinds of gaming experiences. We've lost all kinds of gambling interactions since the beginning of gambling of interactions. Games, we've lost a whole bunch of them. The example I use is almost 40 years old now. Yeah, uh, the example I use is the Legend of Zelda Ancient Stone Tablets. That was a game uh, 30 years ago, at least 30 years ago. I course, I could be off, but I believe it's about 30 years ago, and it was a game that Nintendo released only via a satellite-based telecommunication system. It was a game that if you did not experience at the time that it was streamed to your local console, it basically didn't exist. And that's just the truth. Now, since then, 
people have went back and they've reconstructed it to best to their ability what that game meant to play it at that exact point in time. And I'm sure they've done a really good job in recreating it. Just like any game that's created right now in a purely only downloadable digital format 30 to 40, 50 years from now, if the game is worth its weight, someone will do their best to recreate it in its best in as best a format as they can. Okay. Now, a more current example I'm going to use is Fortnite, or Crap Night, as I call it, because I played it, and it is a truly horrible, monotonous, buggy, glitchy, non-exact, shoot-shoot, kill-kill game. It is as pointless as any game can get. But right now, they're up to, I want to say, Season 8. I could be off in the numbers, but the bottom line is, is you cannot go back to season one and play the game as it was. If you want to complain that we're going to lose physical media, if you're going to want to complain that you can't play a version of a you know Nintendo game, a Sega game, a Sony game, a Xbox game, because now they're no longer making it, well then you need to complain about that as well, i.e., Perfection is unobtainable. To expect perfection is to purposely look for depression, purposely seek depression. It's good to want to try to save, to try to rescue, to try to salvage, to try to digitize in a historical format every type of game that has ever existed. It's good to want to do that. But don't expect to be able to save every game that there is. Okay, so we already know basically what Google Stadia is. We know what some of their targets is. You should be able to admit this is not a gaming platform, but this is a platform with games. They're shooting really hard. Basically, the, I think the dirty secret is for Google Stadia is not to take on the gaming market, even though it's over, uh, I want to say, a $1.6 billion. Eh, it made more than Hollywood movies like five years ago, and it keeps making more and more and more money. What I truly believe Google Stadia's real target is, is to take down entities like Facebook. Now, slow down. I don't think what they want to do is take out Facebook. What I think they want is eyeballs, and time of day of eyeballs. They want to see if they can grasp the average youth, you know, 14 to 28 years old, at least six to eight hours a day. I think that's their real goal. And to do it through gaming is not a far-fetched idea. Uh, I also want to take a quick moment to mention the people who will not stop complaining, the people who will not shut up about what about the bandwidth limitations? What about the data caps? What about the this? What about the that? I will tell those people, they obviously have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea about history. They have no idea how consumerism works. They have no idea how ISP works. They have no idea how the internet works. And they also have no idea how software works, okay? If you were able to look clear at about 14 years ago, when YouTube first started, you would see a horrible, horrible, horrible video quality within, with what we would consider today to be insane limitations on the video. 
The videos were barely 240p. The videos could not be longer than 10 minutes because no system in place was able to take that type of activity. Okay, Now, now we're able to upload as a consciousness, as a human culture, more than 29 days worth of video to YouTube every minute. Okay? Okay, okay, okay. Did, did, did you just grasp the differential right there, what I just said? Because you probably didn't. Because humans have a really bad time of grasping differentials like that. It wasn't even 15 years ago we couldn't put up something with the quality of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest possibility we could capture today and we could never upload it in more of a 10 minute increment because no system would be able to handle such a file size okay thus from now to the next three years or five years okay one hardware will become a lot more nimble a lot more quick a lot more snappy two bandwidth will increase exponentially it's going to take probably six or seven years for us to make our next huge major major improvement in the united states of america with close to ubiquitous upload and download speeds but here's the real dirty secret it doesn't matter how much our speeds are up and down. What matters is what is our efficiencies in up and down, a.k.a. the software. And if you don't know, because I'm sure you don't know, because I've been hearing people who don't understand it at all, but Google has made major steps in the last couple years in updating the basic protocols for the Internet. Okay? Don't believe me. Never believe me, but go out and look for yourself, and they've introduced things like Speedy, S-P-E-D-Y, I believe it's spelled, which has which gives the opportunity for almost a 60% increase in efficiency in performance utilizing the same bandwidth. Okay, I don't know if you actually grasp that, but I'm going to say it again. Google has publicly released technology that has the possibility to increase the efficiency of the bandwidth by almost 60%. Imagine if tomorrow morning your bandwidth got increased by 60%. You would probably notice it. That's how much of an improvement that is. And that's what the kind of thing that Google has been doing on the backbone. Facebook is too. Don't let anyone fool you. These companies have a definite investment in being the one to bring the first to market such efficiencies to end users, to consumers. We are the beneficiaries of such technologies. I firmly expect in less than 10 years, easily less than 10 years, we will be able to have twice the bandwidth but be able to push 20 to 40 times the amount of content through that bandwidth through software and protocol efficiencies. Okay. Okay. Now, with that out of the way, Google is not thinking about a game platform for the next year, even though it's coming out very shortly. Google is not thinking of a platform that can hold games in three or five years. 
If I had to guess, I would say Google is planning on being the platform for an entire interactive ecosystem with huge amounts of people on it in 10 years. Now, I can see them expecting to have game areas, game arenas, game blocks, where you literally get dropped into a city where there's 10,000 people playing in that one city. The big thing is, are they going to have the developers on board developing that certain kind of content? Now, as game patrons over the last 30 years, it almost doesn't matter what the hardware offers to the game developers. It matters what the game developers program towards. And the example I'm going to use is like the Wii U. The Wii U, for all intents and purposes, was a better platform than the Wii. But the Wii sold easily, I want to say, 30 times more than the Wii U. And to explain why is basically an exhaustive uh, measure. All you got to know is the Wii U's hardware configuration meant a little bit more work with not as much benefit to be rewarded out of it because they didn't have the player base. So few developers went out of their way to develop explicitly for those unique hardware controls on that platform. Okay. It's like the chicken and the egg. Okay. If a hardware platform makes it truly beneficial to the game developer, AKA if they can make enough money off of it, then the software developers will go out of their way to program for those little niches of the hardware. Okay. Here's an example of how I could see Google Stadia being utilized three to five years after it's successful. Okay. People look at one part of this presentation incredibly inaccurate to me. Okay. And it was the part of the presentation where they literally showed the guy pick up a phone and he was playing a game within like five seconds. And then he hit pause and then he hit play on a tablet and in five seconds he was playing the game. And then he hit pause and then on a TV he was playing it five seconds later. And then, you know, and he kept progressing through all these different platforms and he was playing the same game. Well, what I think people are missing is the other possibility in this game system. And this is the possibility I'm going to say. What if I'm sitting in front of my television set and my TV is like looking out of the dashboard of my spaceship, okay? And that's all that display basically is. It's giving me visual feedback out of, and my head's up to display looking out of my spaceship. What if the tablet I own is connected to that exact same game? And now when I move that tablet around, I look down at that tablet, that tablet is like my steering wheel. That tablet is like the controls of that video game. So while I'm tilting the tablet around, my heads-up display on my TV is interacting. What if I have hotkeys on my tablet, which enables me to do certain things that I can see on my TV screen? Okay. One more. What if the phone sitting next to me is like a comm? where I'm able to steer with my tablet, look on my TV, and then when somebody says something, I can hit the phone, and I can use that as like a multifunction communication device. Thus, 
giving us the availability and the possibility for all these separate screens, not just to be separate screens, but to be separate interfaces into this one cloud-based platform. And that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people gave a lot of thought to. This is where I think Google Stadia can be immensely successful. And it's basically redefining what we mean as interactive experiences. I don't even want to call them games because to call them games is almost not giving them enough credit. I can see Google Stadia allowing us to have a much, much, much richer, a much more interactive experience using a much greater number of devices while still connecting into ecosystems that we find familiar, whether it's playing soccer or football or basketball or baseball or auto racing or shooting people or farming simulators. Um, But I really do think the actual place where Google Stadia has the most possibility to be successful is in the type of gaming genre that we don't even know exists yet. Kind of like how five years ago, six years ago, no one could have seen the Battle Royal format as being as successful as it is right now. I'm sure they all had their own beliefs on, on what would and what could and what should be successful right now. Um, which I hearken back to again about how no one's good at predicting the future. Nobody is. But if we take very moderate steps on what we have today and we expect slow and steady growth on the hardware and the software that we see today, I can see Google housing this new ecosystem in such a way that it really could be ubiquitous gaming. We're, you know, we don't need VR headsets because VR, to be quite, quite frank, is stupid. We don't need VR, we need AR kind of thing. Augmented reality, I think, is going to be much more successful than VR. And I can see Stadia doing that kind of AR stuff much, much, much better. Um, The only other thing I'll say about Google Stadia is uh, I almost laugh. I literally almost laugh out loud when I hear the people, the 400-plus podcast I listen to, where they try to say the controller is going to cost between 20 and 50 bucks. You people are on drugs and have no idea what you're talking about. Google wants to be the next Apple. There's little doubt in my mind this is going to be between an $80 and $100 controller. Don't be shocked if it's $120 because that's what Google wants to be. Google wants to be the next premier manufacturer, the next premier digital interactive studio. They don't want to be the low-budget one, okay? When you bill yourself as being the low-budget gaming system, you get low-budget gamers, okay? I think Google has figured that out, at least with Android. When you give away an operating system to free people, you have a habit of getting people who don't want to spend money. So here's what I'll say. I don't think Google Stadia is for what we consider today to to be the normal gamer, okay? I truly believe if you take a look at the number of people in the world today, and then you take a look at the number of hardcore gamers in the world today, there are way, way more people who are not gamers, okay? That's who I think Google is going to be shooting for. They're going to be shooting for that 
communal experience in interactive, not games, not games, interactive entertainment is what I'm going to say. And here's the thing. The more interactive something is, the less it has to be a quality game and the more it just has to be generally entertaining. Um, And I think they know that. I don't think they're going to go out of their way to proposition the huge gaming companies because that's not what they need to succeed. And anybody who says they're going to need to get AAA gamers on board and the AAA game studios on board to be successful, once again, I don't believe they actually understand any of this business whatsoever. That's why they're commentators to this business and they're not in this business, okay? Because they have no idea what they're talking about. I truly believe just being contradictory to the majority of people out there gives me a higher probability of being right. Now, do I think I'm right? Hell no. Not at all. If I'm right at all, I'll be impressed. I can tell you the things I know I'm right about. I know it's not going to be a $20 or a $50 controller. Ain't no way that's going to happen. I also know there ain't no way this is going to be a low-priced service. I expect this to be at least $20 to $40 a month. I also don't expect you're going to be able to ever buy a game. Best case scenario, you'll be able to rent it for a year or six months or 12 months or you know something like that. You'll never be able to own a game outright. I also really don't believe this is a gaming platform. I think this is a platform with games on it. I think... All of those are going to be flushed out in like a year and a half to two years as being truths. I I honestly do believe that. Um, I also believe we're going to have a weird convergence in mobile games on Android becoming a third leg of Google Stadia. You're going to have the regular games. You're going to have the social aspects. And then you're going to have the mobile aspects to games. We're, uh, we did see this at least a, a little bit ago. I believe the game was Watch Dogs was one of the games that actually did it well. Where you'll be able to like do things on a mobile game that will be able to advance you in the normal game. I do think those kind of things are going to become more and more prevalent. Um, Google has enough money to where I believe they can take a loss on this for a good two years before it turns any kind of profit. And the only thing I can say I'm also positive about is we as consumers never know what Google's going to give up on or when they're going to give up on it because it seems like it's nonsensical because we're not in the business. We're not in their boardrooms. We don't know what they're thinking. I will say it's now April 1st, 1.26 a.m. in the morning. Google Plus is nearly gone. A year ago or two years ago, I didn't think Google Plus would be going away like this. I thought it would literally just fade out of existence because of people not on it. But no, it's being killed. So with the same time, wouldn't shock me if in a year from now or two years from now, the uh, a, a uh, announcement come out that Google Stadia is being killed. Um, again, we as humans do a horrible time in predicting anything that happens in the future i think that's a long enough google stadia rant for now i want to thank everyone for their downloads i want to thank everyone for their support i will say there has been two google stadia podcasts out there that i've listened to that i believe uh actually 
communicate what I would say intelligently. Um, three of them. I'll say three of them. Uh, one of them is Stadia Cast by uh, two guys I like to call friends, even though I don't think either of them actually know my first name. Um, Lloyd and Bill from Nintendo Pulse and Run Jump Stomp are starting a podcast called Stadia Cast. I cannot find the uh, second one to save my life, even though I'm looking through everything I listen to on uh, my podcast addict. I cannot find it. Uh, the last one I'll say I didn't know existed is Kotaku, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, they're a very prominent uh, game site out there. And um, I will say theirs is called Kotaku Split Screen, K-O-T, I'm sorry, K-O-T-A-K-U space split screen. They're up to at least 172. That one is one of the few ones that I listen to talk about uh, Stadia and I actually subscribe to. Um, I don't know if I'm going to keep listening to them, but they at least I thought did a good job with that. Uh, I want to thank everyone for their downloads. I want to thank everyone for their support. Do not forget DDG at podnuts.com if you want to send me an email directly. I do have two emails in my queue that I've not had a chance to read. Partially because I'm sick. If he, if it isn't obvious in my voice, I feel like crap uh, for the last like three or four days. I'm guessing it's just a cold or a head cold. Hopefully I'll be over it in a day or two, but I felt like I had to talk about Stadia at least a little bit after stuff has settled down. Uh, I will talk to everyone again real soon. My name is Jeff Halich. I am the host of Podnuts, the Computer Repair Podcast, where we take live calls on the air to answer your questions on running and operating your computer repair business every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check it out over at podnuts.com forward slash computer repair podcast live. Music provided by Steve Cherubino at stevecherubino.com.